Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to Let me your hear life. Louder. Amen. Father, we thank you for what you're said to do in our midst this morning. We honor you, we worship you for the tangibility of your presence and your spirit. We give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. Spirit of the living God, we ask that you will begin to do what only you can do in our midst. Open the eyes of our understanding that it be enlightened. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church says a very loud amen. A very louder one. Okay, let's give it one more. The strongest amen. All right, put your hands together for yourself. Before you take your seats, I'd like you to just look to your right, to your left. If there's anyone beside you, I wanted to say hello to them. How are you? Good to see you. And welcome to church. And you may be seated. Put your hands together one more time for yourself. Amen, 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 amen. Glory be to God. All right. Thank you, Jesus. First off, let me say Happy New Year to everyone. This is our first Sunday service this year. Amen. So, Happy New Year to you. I want to pray over someone that this would be your best year yet. Okay, it's not in the cliche of what pastors would always say. The Lord has anointed my tongues. My words don't fall. So let me say it again. This would be your best year yet. The things you could not do, achieve all through the past years of your life. God of mercy would bring everything together and supernaturally you would be able to have it, do it and achieve it. In the name of Jesus. Do you believe that word? Say I receive it. I manifest it. Shout, I lambano it. Say, I see it. And I believe it. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word? Amen. Are you ready for the word this morning? All right, turn your Bible with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. 2 Timothy 3 and 16. Sound, can you help me increase the... 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. I believe I'm in the news, so everyone has a Bible, yes or no? And if you don't have a Bible, at least you have a material, maybe on your phone and all that. But it's always good to um, read the Word when the Word is being read in church. It's always great. So it's not only that you listen to it. Sometimes going through the texts as the pastor leads you in those texts and taking your pen and writing or underlining the things that you read there are very important. And so I want us to begin to practice that as a church as we grow in the knowledge of Christ this year. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 to 17. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, number one, for reproof, number two, for correction number three, for instruction number four, in righteousness. Verse 17, which is the emphasis, then says, 
that the man of God, and it's not talking about preachers here, it's talking about you and I, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Bible is saying, in other words, that for you to be equipped, for you to be thoroughly furnished with every good work, then the word of God must do all of those things, which is number one, correction, number two, reproof, number three, doctrine, number three, four, instructions. The word of God must do all of these things for you so that you can be thoroughly furnished. If you've gone to the mall or anywhere to order a furniture, if you go and see a furniture that they, the carpenter is still working on, you're not going to buy it because you don't like it. Because it's still work in progress. But if you go to a store and the furniture is thoroughly furnished, then you do what we call point and cue. You look at it and say, I like that one. Let's, let me have that one. Why? Because it's thoroughly furnished. But these are the things required for believers, you and I, in order for us to be thoroughly furnished, fit for the master's use, then we must allow the word of God do all of these things in our lives. Now, if you read the word of God, this Bible, in this Bible contains many things. Number one, it contains what man said. It contains what God said, which is the three um, Godheads, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It also contains what the devil said. It contains what the prophets said. And it also contains, which is most special, which is uh, important to note, it contains what you need to know about your own life. And so, if the Word of God contains all of these things, it also suggests to us that there are things in the Word that we must prioritize, particularly the ones that comes out from the mouth of God. God who has diverse times and diverse ways and in several manners has spoken to us through the prophet, but in this last day, scripture says, it speaks to us through Christ Jesus. And so, okay, I just want to say this. Um, ushers, please, there are a lot of people standing. Um, there are chairs at the back there, so let's get this on. Sorry, it's a little bit distracting. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so there are certain soil that necessitate our growth. Now, I want you to listen to me, everyone. Media, I need the timer. I beg you in the name of Jesus. There are certain soil that necessitates our growth. We have the soil of the word. You know that if you plant apple in Lagos, it's not going to grow. You know that because of the soil. And so there are certain soil upon which you put it there, it necessitates your growth. Number one is the soil of the word. Number two is the soil of the spirit. Number three is the soil of faith. Number four is the soil of giving. All our Christian doctrines. But here comes one important soil that until the condition of that soil is met, sometimes we will never see the fullness of the tree and the beauty of that tree. Meaning that the purpose of a tree or a seed, pardon me, is not only for it to be planted, you plant the seed in expectation that this seed bears forth fruits. And so we also have the soil of community. The soil of community that necessitates the growth of a believer. It's not only the soil of the word that helps the growth. It's not only the soil of fasting. It's not only the soil of giving. It's not only the soil of believing. It's not only the soil of the spirit. The soil of community plays a part. I'll give you a very good example. No matter how powerful a seed is, if you take that seed, you put it on the ground, and you walk away, the seed by itself cannot grow until an external force, which is human beings, or by nature, rain, goes and pours on that, on that seed, and then it begins to germinate by itself. It's the same way the power of community that the soil of community is important in the growth of every believer. Let me say this here. 
Many believers uh, operate with that soil as though it is inconsequential, it's unnecessary. As long as I know the word, I don't really need to grow with community. But as I go with you this afternoon, this morning, I will show you that you have been missing something very crucial to your life. And until you start paying attention to it, you know, this year the Lord told me this. That 2023 is going to be the year of community. In 2019, I want to share a story with you. 2019, no way. My time cannot be 34 minutes old. No, no, I just came here now. Are you guys doing what? Uh, media. It can't be 34 minutes old. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just pray in tongues and drop the mic. <laughs> Glory to God. In 2019, I went to pray on a retreat and the Lord told me that I should pay attention to digital in the year 2020. He said, in fact, all the new churches should move in digitally. After I finished that retreat, it was December. I came back and I was excited. I told the pastors, I told the leadership, and I told the church there, and I said, guys, you know, we're going to do this. I remember January 1st that year, 2020. I did a presentation. I said, we're going to move in as a church digitally. We're going to focus on this and this and that. All digital. January came. I started dilly-dallying. February came. I started dilly All of a sudden, the lockdown happened. And then I realized that the Holy Spirit can see things you cannot see. And it can warn you ahead. So it was, it, I tell you the truth, that year was one of the toughest years for us in the new. Because we were not just prepared for that lockdown. In December last year, the Holy Spirit started to say to me that in the year 2023, it's going to be a year of community. Meaning that there are going to be many things that would happen that believers would truly wish that they had a community. And that community brings a supply for them when those times come. Now, hear ye the word of the Lord. I believe it might sound very simple and very easy, just the way I'm saying it. But I want to let you know that this year, it is the priority of God that you must prioritize community. It is very important. It's in the heart of God at this time. And this is why we are sharing this. This is why we are teaching this at this church in this time so that you can see the importance of it. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. All right, now let's get into it now. So what is the word community? What is the definition of the word community? I want you to write this down. Community is a group of people. A community is a group of people who resides in a specific locality or in location they share common government and have a common cultural and historical heritage. They have a common cultural and historical heritage. Now, in the context of the church, we know that the common culture that we share and the common historical heritage that we share is Christ. And so what binds us together as a community is Christ. In fact, I like to put it this way. If you break that word into two, it says, come unity. So let's come and let's be united. It's community. So let's go into the word of God, line upon line, precept upon precepts, and begin to look at the importance of the year. In fact, I remember the Holy Spirit said to me that, I mean, it's in the Bible, you will see it in the Bible. When Jesus was going to feed 5,000 people, there was chaos, there was commotion. You can imagine feeding 5,000 people. Chaos everywhere. He asks his disciples a simple question. He says, what do you have? They said, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. He said, bring it to me. But this is the instruction because many times we celebrate the power of Jesus in multiplying five loaves of bread and two fishes. But we take our eyes from the wisdom because the Bible says Christ is both the wisdom of God and the power of God. We take our eyes away from the wisdom that God used, Jesus used, to bring forth those five loaves of bread and two fishes in order for it to reach everybody. Jesus gave the disciples a simple instruction. He said, tell the people to sit in their companies. And the moment they sat in, sat in companies, the food came to meet them in their companies. So therefore, it tells us that sometimes what we are believing for, what we are looking for, 
the feeding of our lives, the desires of our lives is, fine, is found in our companies. Jesus did not say everybody begin to come one after the other and take from me. How do you feed 5,000 people that way? He said, go to your companies and in your companies, there your feeding would be. In your companies, there your food will be. This is to let you know how important community and companies are. And let me say something a little bit further here. I know that as I started to preach, some people in their mind, I said, well, thank God I have good friends. Thank God I have friends, so I, I have a community, so this message is not for me. Don't worry, when I begin to teach deeper, you will understand that some of you that think it's just about friendship, community is bigger than that. So I want you to follow me very closely. And in this season as a church, we are going to go into the word, into granular details, line upon line, precept upon precept. We're going to check the scriptures one after the other, and we will layer it one after the other as though we are plotting a graph. So open your Bible with me to the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Now, the book of Genesis is the book of the beginning. The book of Genesis was written by the man Moses. And this book, right, is an insight as to the mind of God. In fact, remember one thing that happened in the Bible when the children of Israel came to Jesus and said that, oh, what do you have to say about divorce? Look at what Jesus said to them. Jesus said, but from the beginning, it was not so. So the book of Genesis, whenever you want to know the original intentions of God, when man was created, whenever you want to know the original mind of Christ, when man was created, the purposes of God before the foundation of the earth, before there was a distortion of any sort, you have to go back to the book of Genesis, read it line upon line, precept upon precept, you will see many deep eating things in the book of Genesis. Because the book of Genesis is the original intent of God and the original intentions of God. So let's go to the book of Genesis and let's see the actions, the nature, the attributes, the behavioral patterns of God in the book of Genesis. Are we ready to go there now? So we know in Genesis chapter 1, God had created the earth. He's created the heaven. He saw everything and God said it was good. Then in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, then God said, let us, underline that word, us, let us make man in our own image. Now, as Bible students, we know that the us was talking about there, it was talking about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It says, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. You see, one of the first attributes that you see of the Godhead is partnership. It's partnership. Even when Jesus would talk in the Bible, in the book of Matthew, Matthew, John, Luke, he would say, as my father does, so do I. Partnerships. He says, by my strength, I can do nothing. Partnership. And so the first behavioral act, one of the first behavioral acts of God in the Bible is partnership, not isolation. God said, let us, collaboration, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. So you see that first time in the life of God. The second thing you see is in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Go there. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. We're looking at biblical insights into community. Biblical insights into communities. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. God had created man. He had put man to till the ground. Then all of a sudden God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I would make for him a help meet, a helper. It is not good for man to be alone. Now, guess what? If God said it's not good for man to be alone way back in the Garden of Eden, then he's still saying the same thing right now. He says it's not good for man to be alone. It means that man will be stressed out. Can you imagine if Adam was the one doing everything without the help of Eve? If God said that Eve was supposed to be a helper, then he meant that. That's the work of Eve. He says it's not good for man to be alone. I would make him and help meet. God has never seen you to be by yourself. You were never designed to be alone. Do you know that if you were designed to be alone, the only part of your whole body would be a brain? But your hand is necessary. Your legs are included. Your eyes, your intestine. Every of these body parts comes together to form man, to make man. Your soul is part of it. Your spirit is part of it. So you see the different sides of man. And we call everything man. And everything operates together. 
Every single thing. And if God had that wisdom in the creation of man, the specification of the different body parts required for the functionality of man, then I tell you by the truth, you were not designed by yourself to be isolated from people. Glory be to God. The next thing you see in the book of Genesis chapter 3, and because of time, we'll go straight down there. That it was when Eve was alone, that's when she ate of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. It was when she was alone. Listen closely, oh. It was when Eve was alone. We are talking about the book of Genesis to show you community, the good and the bad inside. It was when she was alone. Now, I want to ask a simple question. Why didn't the serpent come when Adam was there? Because the blessing was spoken to Adam. And Adam, well, we don't, but I mean, if we look back and just try to um, explain it. Adam is likely to say, hey, 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 stop that. What are you eating there? Likely. Because he got the word from God. That's why communities are important. They remind you of what God has said to you. Hey, hey, you want to marry that guy? Hey. Remind you. Amen. So God wants us to have large group gathering, but also small group fellowships. Write that down. God wants us to have a large group gathering. God wants us to have church. We all come to church on Sunday morning. But you see, the responsibility of us coming together on a Sunday morning is not all about worshiping God, which happens in the large group gathering, but God also wants us to have small group fellowships. He wants us to have fellowships with one another, one with another. And so if you look at the book of Numbers chapter 11 and verse 16 to 17. I'm going to run because the place I want us to really open the Bible, I'm getting there now. Numbers chapter 11 verse 16 to 17, God had called Moses and Moses was leading a, a large church of over 3 million people. Then God said to Moses, guy, the way you are leading this thing every Sunday, everybody's just gathering every Sunday, everybody's just gathering. There's going to be a problem doing this thing. Now set aside 70 elders and I will take of the spirit that is upon you and place it upon them and they will judge the very way that you have been judged. So in the book of Genesis, if you look at the Israelites, God then apportioned them into tribes. God then puts them into communities so that a leader then leads them. So it's not only Moses leading the thousands of people, but they are broken down into smaller pockets. Now think about it for a moment. Imagine Moses advising and counseling three million people. In the hundredth one, you will just die. And you think also that the three million people would get the best time of his wisdom. No. If you say, Moses, I'm having a problem. My husband is beating me. Say, let him beat you. Whatever, let him beat you. You next, what's your own problem? Because it's wearing him out. But the wisdom of God is that it must be broken down into community for the impact to be seen. I tell you the truth, we are missing something. And you know, social media has made it worse that you can live in yourself without relating to other people. Go and check it. Statistics shows that one of the reasons why marriages are having major issues is social media. You enter into a room of 20 people, it is very likely that 15 out of the 20 are pressing their phone and not talking to any other person. Let me tell you something. When the devil wants to do anything, it's in his tactics and his strength that he doesn't announce what he wants to do. He does it subtly. So the devil is not going to say, I'm trying to isolate you. I'm going to isolate you. You already know he wants to. But he puts things into your life and isolates you by doing that. So let's open our Bibles now and look at the wisdom of God with Israel. Now, I want you to listen closely at this point with rapt attention. There was a guy in the Bible called Jacob. We know the story. Jacob wrestled with the Lord and Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And what did God do? The Lord blessed him. The most profound thing that God said to Jacob there was that from today you will no longer be called Jacob, you will now be called Israel. 
And in that moment, God made Jacob a mighty nation. In Genesis chapter 32 and verse 27 to 28, you will see it right there. God made Jacob a mighty nation. Now, skip down all the way down to Genesis chapter 47, 49. Jacob had 12 sons. And those 12 sons, the Bible says they were apportioned to be called 12 tribes. Follow me close now. And so here comes Jacob. He became a mighty nation. He gave birth to 12 sons. And those 12 sons, he was going to die and he was about to bless the 12 of them. He was about to lay prophetic words ahead of the 12 of them. And whatever he said about the 12 of them was going to be the life of those 12 of them, 12 people. And so one after the other, they started to come to him and he started to proclaim blessings or curses over the 12 of them. I want to teach you the importance of tribe at this point. Follow me now. So Genesis chapter 49 and verse 1. Let's go there quickly. Genesis 49 and verse 1. Media, you are going to be very fast with me, I beg you, because I have a lot, a lot, a lot of things to still touch. Genesis 49, verse 11, verse 1. You know, today's teaching, this series is a one-month series. And so when we do series, we must understand that we don't, we don't teach the broad knowledge of God totally in one series. That's why it's called a series. You don't watch 24 or Prison Break, and you watch everything to the end, and you say, oh, I understand it. It's a series. So at some point, we'll stop. Then we continue again. And then at the end of the last series, you will be able not to understand the concept of community, but you'll be able to teach it also. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Amen to Jesus. So let's look at Genesis chapter 41 verse 1. And Jacob called the sons and said, and gathered together that I will tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Next verse, verse 2. Gather thyself and hear your, da, 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 verse 3. So he started with his first son called Reuben. Watch this. He says, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of, my dig of, of, of dignity and the excellency of power. Next verse. He says, unstable as water, you shall not excel because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it, it went up to my couch. Verse 3. Hold on there. So he called the first one. And he said, you, you are not going to prosper. Because you went up to, and what, what happened there? Jacob, uh, Reuben went up to Belia, his father's concubine. Went up to her, slept with her. And so the father saw that and he cursed him. And so he was saying to Jacob, saying to Simon, as the leader of this tribe, this is what is going to be happening in your tribe. This tribe of Israel that you represent, you would be unstable, you would not excel, you would not prosper. It suggests to us that everyone in the tribe of Reuben, because the head of the tribe is cursed, everyone in that tribe is the same way. Follow me. Everyone. In fact, you will see the scripture there in Genesis chapter 35 and verse 22 where uh, 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 what's his name? Reuben went to sleep with his father's wife. And so he was cursed right there. Now open again to verse 5 and verse 7. You will see Simon who is the second son and the Levi. Simon who is the second son and the Levi. If you look at it, verse, it says Simon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Next verse. These ones were very hungry people. In fact, if you read Exodus chapter uh, Numbers chapter 26 and verse 14. When you get back home, go read these things. Numbers 26, 14, Joshua 19, verse 1 to 9. You will see they were very angry people. They were just misbehaving anyhow. And so he said, oh, because of your cruelty and because of your anger, you're not going to have any portion in me. But something happened to the thirdborn son, which is the Levi. Follow me now. The Levi family, are we, are we, are we, in, uh, are we in Bible school? You are following there. Something very interesting happened there. We look in the scripture and we realize 
that even though God, um, Jacob said that the Levi family were not going to have any portion in him, the Levi family were the ones given the mandate of priesthood. How did that happen? If you read the Bible in Exodus chapter 28 and verse 1 to 4, because of time, I want you to write that down so that you can go, because my time is flashing over my face. Exodus 28 verse 1 to 4, you will see that Aaron was from the priesthood of the Levites. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 5, let's go there. Hebrews 7 verse 5. Hebrews 7 and verse 5. Hebrews 7 verse 5. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi, who receive the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. That is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. Do you see that? So the Levi family are the family of the priesthood. This is to explain something to you. That when they got the hand of the priesthood, what happens to them is that that family has now been chosen to go before God on behalf of the people. So if you want to ever go before God in the Old Testament, as a priest, you must come out from the family of the Levites. Full stop. They were anointed to go before God. They were anointed to preach. They were anointed to offer living sacrifices in goats and boots and rams and all of things over to God in worship. So that was their own consecration. There were some family that their own, they are not going to get lands. So you see that all the 12 tribes, and I'm still going further, all the 12 tribes had certain distinct graces, let me use that word, that was at work in their life. I'm going somewhere because you must understand the power of tribe. May you not enter into the wrong tribe where something is happening there. You did not say a loud amen. So, the first tribe, Judah. In, Exodus, in Genesis 49, verse 8 to 10, Judah. And indeed, Genesis 49, 8 to 10. Judah, you are he whom your brother shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Can you see what he was saying to Judah? Next verse. Judah is a lion will for the prey, my son. You have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, he shall rouse him. Next verse. Verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Ah, ah. Nor a lawgiver from between his feet. Until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. Look at Judah. Now, who came out from Judah? Can you see how powerful prophetic is? Who came out from Judah? When we say the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is that? It says your throne shall be forever. The scepter will not depart from your house. If you read Revelation chapter 7 verse 8, verse 4, you will see the, the, the coronation of Judah that came from Christ. But wait a minute. Let me ask you a question. According to the pattern of what Christ came to do on the earth and the 12 tribes of Israel, where should Christ come out from? Talk to me. Talk to me. Levite, Abi, the priesthood family. Why did he come out from Judah? God wanted to do Legova. Let's keep going. The next guy was, um, was um, Zebulon. Genesis chapter 4, verse 13. Go back home and read these things. The next guy was Issachar. Genesis chapter 49, verse 14. The next guy is Dan. Genesis chapter 49, verse 16 to 17. The next guy is Asher. Genesis 49, verse 20. The next guy is Naphtali. Oh, Naphtali. Satisfied with favor. I mean, if, in fact, if you read Naphtali, he was a special person. He had a scent of favor, even though he eventually disobeyed God. But the, the, the tribe of Naphtali played a major role. Please put your hands together for our... Because we're talking about communities. Today is foundational teaching. The tribe of Naphtali played a major role in the building of the, uh, of, of the, of, of, of the temple for Solomon. They played, but they were in disobedience. But the Naphtali tribe, guys, let me explain something to you. They had so much favor. In fact, if you look at the map of Israel, Naphtali was a very small 
very small minute place in the whole of Israel very small but what was very interesting about Naphtali was that it was almost like a desert but whenever you plant something there it grows it grows when the Bible says oh Naphtali satisfied with favor full of the blessings of the Lord so you see that if you are in the tribe of Naphtali you would always be blessed you would always have favor may you may your leg be always in the right tribe in the tribe of Naphtali favor do you know that in those tribes they don't have to pray to commandeer those things it's already in their lives in the tribe of Levi you don't have to pray to be a priest John the Baptist came out from that tribe his father Zachariah was from the tribe of Levi glory be to God so you see priesthood in the different tribes that people belong to and so we have Joseph we know the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 49 verse 22 to 26 then we know the story of Benjamin in Genesis 49 verse 27 those are the 12 tribes of Judah now we understand why Christ came because Christ then came out of the tribe of Judah I'll tell you something today the work of Christ was not only to get us born again to go to heaven but can you imagine think about this that we are still operating the 12 tribes as Christians today Meaning that some people are going to be in Dan. Some people are going to be in Laftali. And some of us will be in Judah for sure. And some people are going to be in Reuben. Some people are going to be in Benjamin. So when Christ came, he came to take the bond and the free. So there would not be a need for several tribes with causes, what you do and what you do not do. So the moment he died on the cross, it was finished totally. So the crosses in those tribes no longer exist. Oh, glory to God. They no longer exist. In fact, if you open your Bible to the book of uh, Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ has blessed me with all spiritual blessings. Let's go to that verse of scripture. Galatians 3 and verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from, yeah, Christ has redeemed us from the cross of the law having become a curse for us, for it is written. So Christ redeemed us. The curse of the law wasn't only the works of Moses. Can you imagine somebody who doesn't know anything just from the tribe of Benjamin? They just gave birth to him and he did not know anything. He was not there when Reuben slept with Belia. All of a sudden, it's cursed. But when Christ came, the moment he said it was finished, everything included was finished. Open again with me to Galatians 3, 28. Galatians 3 and verse 28. Look at this. Let's read this together, everyone. One, two, ready and go. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are what? Can you give God a shout for that? For we are all one with Christ. Glory be to God. But watch this. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 to 20, Jesus asked the people, he said, who do men say that I am? He said, some of them said, you are Christ. This one said, you are that. This one said, okay, you are Elijah. He said, who do you say that I am? Peter answered him and said, you are Christ. Jesus said, wow, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He says, upon this rock would I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Upon this revelation would I build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail. Now, pause there. What was one of the number one thing that Christ came to do after he destroyed the old to birth the new? It was the establishment of the church. Because before that time, there was no church. There were God's power resting upon men to move in the Old Testament, we call them the patriarch of old. But before that time, there was no church. It was Christ that came to establish the church. That was one of the works of Christ on the earth. The church. Now watch this. When Christ now was about to die, he told his disciples, he said, I'm going to go because by bodily form, I'm limited. I can't be in Zimbabwe today and be in Portugal tomorrow. So because of that, I have to go. But I'm going to send the Holy Ghost to you. 
And this Holy Spirit, like the word is, is a spirit, so it's not limited by human form. It's going to be in all places at every time. But for the Holy Spirit to come, you have to go and tarry in Jerusalem to wait for the promise of the Spirit. Let me tell you something. What God, Jesus was saying to them, in other words, was that the old tribe was being destroyed, but a new one was now reformed. So the old tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel were being destroyed, but a new one was formed in his church. That's why he said, the Holy Ghost will not fall until you are together and then you will be empowered by the Holy Ghost. He said they should go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Think about this. Imagine the Holy Spirit fell on them individually. Holy Spirit fell on, uh, on Peter. Another Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit fell on Matthew. Another one time, you know, do you know what we would have had in the Bible? We would have had a confused Bible. Because every one of them are going to tell us the way the Holy Spirit rested upon them. And we are going to have no aligned doctrines or different doctrines. And so this one will say, that's my own experience. That my experience is the best experience. This one will say, but God said in his wisdom, the only way the Holy Spirit will fall if there is a community that is believing it for him. So no dropping of the Holy Spirit until the community is formed. If you go and read the scripture, Joel chapter 2, because we are a generation that talks about the coming move of God, the, the God is moving, da, da, da. It says, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. It was talking about a community of people. But guess what? In Acts chapter 2, when cloven tongues of fire sat upon them, the Bible did not say the cloven tongues of fire sat on the roof, on the community. The Holy Ghost fell in community, but the evidence was seen in individual. So the evidence of a community is not only in the coming together of the community, but it will be seen in the individual lives. But for the Holy Ghost to fall, it must be by community. I'm talking about in those days, when it happened. I'm not saying you can't get the Holy Spirit by yourself. Are you getting what I'm saying? So then, what is the church? Because someone can hear all that I just said now. Say, oh, no, then it means that we can just live our lives. We don't need a community anymore. So what is the church? What is the purpose of the church? If God, Jesus in his wisdom, formed the church, and if you look at the book of Acts of the Apostle, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, you will see that they continued in the apostles' doctrines and breaking of bread from house to house. So as God, the Holy Ghost, was increasing the church, you would see also that they were paying attention to communities. They were paying attention to them galvanizing with each other in breaking of bread, in fellowship. And so if we look at the book of Acts as the model of how church should look like, you will see that we might be slowing getting away from the original intentions of God for how church should be done. We might be slowly getting away from the original will of God of how life should be done. Glory be to God. In fact, it was so good in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, that whenever they had properties, they would sell their properties so that everybody can have something to eat. Communities. So Jesus did not go without forming another one. But this time it was the ecclesia, the chosen people, the bride of Christ. He put them together that we cannot do this thing by ourselves. Glory to God. So church is large group gathering, but small group fellowships. Now, what is the purpose of the church? Write this down. The church is a community of believers. The church is a community of believers in one locality or location who have been drawn together by their common experience of the grace of God in Christ Jesus. They were drawn together by their common experience in the grace of God in Christ Jesus. And I want you to note this. Christians are never called to follow Jesus in isolation. We have never been called to follow Jesus in isolation. The definition is on the board right there. We're never called to follow Jesus in isolation. All this, oh, I just followed Jesus, I worship Jesus in my heart. I just follow him in my soul. No, that's not how we're being called. If you look at Acts chapter 3, the moment the Holy Ghost felt the manifestation that showed up afterwards, when Peter and John went to the gate of beautiful, Peter did not go alone, John was with him. 
You can see, you can see collaboration. In fact, when the guy got healed, the Bible said he ran to the Solomon's porch. What is Solomon's porch? The Solomon's porch is the place where the believers always gather in the temple. So they had that community building together. They had that family thing going on with each other. Number two, what is the church? God's purpose for the church is not just that we belong to Jesus, but we also belong to an identifiable flock of God's sheep. It's not just that you belong to a church. You also belong to an identifiable flocks of God's sheep. Remember what I said the other time, that there are several soils that grows your Christian work. The soil of the word, the soil of the spirit. But I tell you the honest truth, the one that waters that thing, those things, is the soil of community. It's the soil of community. And in a community, it's not about what you get from it, it's also about what you bring from it, for it. That's why we call the supply of the spirit. One will chase out 1,000, two will put 10,000 to flight. Glory be to God. Is somebody getting something there? So write this down. Oh, the first one is what is the church? The second one is purpose of the church. Number one, what is the purpose of the church? To establish the purposes of God on the earth. The church is designed to establish the purpose of God on the earth. Number two, to witness Christ to the world. To witness Christ to the world. Number three, to establish godly communities amongst the saints. To establish godly communities amongst the saints. Number three. Number four, to build up the saints. Now, I need to run now. I have about some few more minutes. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Hebrews 10, 24. So we've seen the several tribes of Israel. We've seen how Jesus came to abolish that. But you see that Jesus did not only close it up, he started a new one called the church. And then he asked even in the church that there should be small collective, pocket collective of communities even at that. Did somebody get that? Amen. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Read this scripture very loud. Hebrews 10, 24. One, two, we're going to read together everyone. One, two, ready and read. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Next verse. As in the manner of some, but exalting one another so much. Pause there. You see this day approaching there. The day approaching. And us assembling together, they are both interconnected. The day approaching here, I will show you in the Bible, because it's not as the day goes. The day approaching means something in the calendar of God. So open your Bible to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 5. The day approaching. Because the, the, the antidote to live and to excel, when this day begins to approach, which it has started to approach, is community. Is gathering together. Now, this is the day approaching. Next verse. 20, no. 5, verse 6. Verse 6. Verse 6. Alright. We're talking about the last days here. It says, And you would hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must pass, but the end is not yet. Next verse. Verse 7. It says, Is it 6? Verse 7, yes. For nations will rise against nations and kingdom against kingdoms and there will be famine, pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Next verse, verse 8. Verse 8. Alright. All these are the beginning of what? Ah, I can't hear you. Talk loud. Say it louder. Very louder. The Bible says gross darkness covers the earth. You know that scripture, Abby? Now, let me show you one more. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. 1 Timothy 3. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Next verse. Verse 2. 
For men will be lovers of themselves. Have we started seeing these things? Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blemishers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Next verse, verse 4, 3. Unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of God, of good. Next verse, verse 4. Traitors, headstrong. I like that word. Headstrong. Haughty lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Next verse. Verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. You read those two scriptures. Are they happening already or not? Are they happening already or not? In fact, let me highlight the former one we read about the sorrows that are going to happen on the last days. Now, the last days are not coming. The last days are already here. Now, before time, God has given us an equation. A quadratic equation of how to get out of the problem when they come. That's the scripture we read preceding. Hebrews 10, 24. Hebrews 10, 24. Let's go back there again. Let's read it now. What is the solution for all of these things when it starts to happen? One, two, ready, go. And let us consider one another and good works. Next verse. Not forsaking as the manner of some, but exalting one another. If I tell my wife, take this ATM card. My pin is 49.89. Don't go and cram it too. It's a wrong pin. And she gets to the ATM machine and she presses 44.39. Would money come out? Why? What would he say? Wrong pin. Is there money inside? Is my money inside? Do I have a right to withdraw it? But is the pin wrong? Is the money coming out? Why? I'm using a wrong pin. So I will be frustrated even though I have money inside but I'm using a wrong pin to open that thing out. It's the same way in the last days the pin for your safety, the pin for your solutions, the pin for your next level, the pin for your breakthrough, the pin for your open doors, the pin for your insight from God and above all, the pin for your covenant to see things that many cannot see is the pin of community. Full stop. In the last days, there will be sorrow. What preserves you is the community that you belong. I tell you the truth. What preserves you? Don't go and think you are on your own. When Jesus was anointed with power, he went to fast 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says Jesus came back in the power of the Spirit. When Jesus came back, he was not going about doing good. He was looking for disciples. The moment he came back, he was calling disciples into himself. If Jesus, as powerful as he was, needed a 12, as powerful as he was, needed a 70, as powerful as he was, needed a 120, I tell you, you need men. You need men. As anointed as Jesus was, Ah, as anointed as Jesus was, he could not buy his own body back. He took Simon. Arimathea, Joseph, uh, yeah, Joseph Arimathea, pardon me. Simon was the one that carried the foot to the cross. He took Joseph Arimathea with wealth and money to use his influence to get his body back. Jesus had died. Would he go and say, give my body back? Communities, associations, relationships. Even Jesus had community with fishery. When he didn't have money to pay for this thing, he said, go and talk to the fish. There's money in their mouth for me. Then you go by yourself doing life alone. Then you play Adele. I'm never alone. I'm going through life. I said, what is going on here now? You were never created to walk alone. Liverpool fans. But they are doing us anyhow now. Amen. God said, let us make man in our own image. It's not good for man to be alone. The tribes of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of all of these people are tribes. Jesus came and bought every other thing, created a church, then put us in tribes inside the same church. Then he said in the last days, the pin you are going to use for your safety so that this darkness, this gross darkness coming will not touch you is the pain number of communities. 
because in certain communities there are people who are anointed for priesthood meaning they can see things to happen before it happens so they can wake up and tell you just like an army and say hey danger is coming or take over but you, you are not in any community you are not in any part of anything so when the information required for your safety is being let out you don't even know you don't even know you don't even know I tell you, men are embodiments of graces. I tell you the truth. Men are, are, are wisdoms of God in human form. And you find that in the communities that you belong to. So as I close now, what do you find in communities? Number one, write that down. Write this down. You find covenants in, in communities. You find covenants in communities. What is the word that we say in the new Isaiah 8 verse 18 I am I in the new am I in the new can we roll it one two three go I and the children that the Lord has given to me we are listen that is a covenant it's not something we just picked in the Bible these are what we call the seals of the Lord apportioned to ministries every ministry has a seal the same way iPhone would design their iPhone, then they would put the iPhone seal at the back to let you know that this is not Samsung, this is iPhone. A seal is a warranty that this thing must work according to the dictates of the manufacturer. It's the same way in the new, we have a seal that I and the children that the Lord has given to us, we are for signs and we are for wonders. That is the seal that we carry. It's like the iPhone thing in our back. It's the logo. That's our logo. That's our logo. That's our logo. We can't do less. 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 It's a covenant in this army. Oh, glory to God. Listen, by what covenant did David go and fight Goliath? His covenant? Was it him that had the covenant? He said, how dare you come before the, the covenanted of God? Who are that all circumcised Philistine? So it means that when you understand that as a person you can have a covenant, but as a tribe, there are covenants inside, you can walk in the knowledge of the covenant of your tribe and get divine inheritance from there. David went to fight the battle from the inside of the covenant that he had and he knew. He didn't even hear about it. It was not part of it when God was cutting it with Abraham. But he stood on it. Ah. I and the children that the Lord has given to me, we are for signs. And it's a powerful covenant there. So in communities, I found covenants. Number two. See, let me tell you something. There are people you meet. Let me tell you, this was on campus. A particular old woman. She was doing something. I helped her carry in your campus or so. I helped her carry up. Uh, uh, what's the name? All those things. They used to walk. All right, my time is up. I, they, I carried it for her. I was just going. She called me back. She said, she said it in Yoruba. I'll say it in English. She said, Me okin sorogbe. Washurire. Old man. He's uh, uh, a covenant. You see, they were, she, was saying, she was saying it from the seat. And the scepter upon which she was standing on. Men carry covenant. You come in contact with those things. Do you think there is no seal of the Lord upon the new? And you're a member of his tribe. You must reflect that. But it's only for those who are in the court of our God and planted. It's not just today you come, tomorrow you are out. When the Holy Spirit wants to locate you, they can't even know which tribe you belong. That's why there is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There must be a sequel. That's why God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Then you, where is, where is your line? Where are you from? No tribe. Number two, the voice of God is found in communities. The voice of God is found in communities. The voice of God. Number three, resources are found in communities. You remember what I said? Jesus told the disciples, sit in their companies. Everybody you see there, you feed them. Those that are standing, don't give them anything. So, <laughs> resources, don't give them one dime. They don't, I can't, don't, don't give them that bread. Can't take that fish away from their mouth. Let them sit down first. <laughs> Amen. Healing.
sin is found in communities. Luke chapter 5, verse 18 to 20. The Bible talked about those guys who were, left, uh, who were lame. They brought their friend down. The Bible says, and when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, it was not the faith of the guy. Oh. It was the faith of the friends. Oh. It was the faith of the friend. Come on now. It was the, when Jesus, that's it. When Jesus saw what? The guy's faith. His own faith. That, why do you think that Jesus said, uh, whenever you agree as touching anything, there must be a touching. There must be an agreement. We are missing something for this community that we are just trivializing. The body of Christ is not entering into certain deep things yet because we have lost the touching of hands. It's now the communication of phone. We have lost the touching of hands. He said, when Jesus saw their faith, not the guy's faith, the guy that is lame, what does he want to believe for? But it was the faith of the friends Jesus saw. He got them healed. He got the guy healed. Numbers five, final one. Safety is in communities. Okay. Wow. What's the time? Ah. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Oh, look at this media. That's when they now put his boat. Time up. All right. Safety is in communities. Listen to this. Rahab was on her own. Jeje, God had shown the children of Israel that they were going to take over that land. They came there. She saw them and identified. There was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. There was no news at 10 that says that, oh, the Israelites are coming to take over. She just discerned and knew that these were the people God has given this land to. She opened up a house for them. I'm telling you, when, when, see, if you understand what it means to be a tribe leader and a tribe head, you will soar so much in life. The Bible says about Obedidom that Obedidom prospered when the ark of God came to his house in three months. David said, ah, this guy is prospering three months. Bring the ark of my house. Come, come bring this house here. <laughs> Go and check people in the occult. Every Friday they will be killing ram and making food for the poor. They bring them to their compound. Don't you think there's something they are servicing there? Will just say, I don't like people around me. I'm just a, I'm just an introvert. Okay. And I now realize that problem not getting introvert. Too. The people that are introverts are the problematic ones when they have problems. They will call you. I said, but I thought you were an introvert. I said, this one passed my power. <laughs> Rahab took them, kept them in the rooftop. When the king came and said, bring them out. They said, they are not good. They are far gone. They've entered into the city gates. When she left, they left. Rahab went to them and said that, now I know God has designed to give you this land. But I tell you, my portion must be found in this place. When, I, when you come back, you are not going to not only kill me. My family will be saved. My father, my mother, my tribe will be saved. Why? Because I offered. So you see that when you are in a right company, there's safety there. So she benefited from a covenant. Is what they call in Yoruba, anjonri anointing. It means because we are proxy, because we are together, you share the benefit of my connection. I'll close with this. Many of us in this church are not enjoying the oil, the benefits, the multiplied graces. I tell you the truth. I've been pastoring this church for the past five years. Now we have five years next week. And when I look at people who are deeply connected and is not on and all is not, they never have a, buy, a, a better last year. Never. They say, my last year was better than this year. It's not a vocabulary in this house. There is a covenant, a covenant of advancement. This year, take God seriously. He that is planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the court of our God. Not he that just visits. Take God seriously. Take God seriously. 
Take God, then you watch how your life will change in three months. One of the things we say in this church, you can't spend three months in this church and your life be the same. It's a covenant that we have. In this tribe, we are, you know why? Because the new is God's plan for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he lavishes us with excellence and so many graces to be able to do these things. So I present to you today a new way of operation. Your new pin to access your funds in the bank of the heavens is communities. Glory be to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that the word enters into our spirit and it bears fruit with understanding. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much he wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in his presence.